Okay. Good evening, everybody. We are um, kind of few and far between this evening. And um, I think last time I spoke with you, uh, I think I, I wasn't feeling so well. And I think uh, I have to confess tonight again, I am not feeling so well. We finally had uh, the uh, COVID bug penetrate our temple. So, so two of our residents uh, have been ill. And there's an eerie sense of, you know, something creeping around. <laughs> And uh, at the moment, I'm just suffering from my usual complaint of migraine, which I had all last night, which was pretty exhausting, I have to confess. So um, we will we will carry the ball of the Dharma talk together, and I see. Linda-san, you look like you were ordained. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, uh, recently, a... Um, a member of uh, a, a a priest organization, a clergy organization, uh, wrote a uh, kind of a broadside letter to the clergy with the provocative title, "What is Soto Zen?" Surprising how often this question comes up, and you'd think the ordained clergy would know the answer or one of many answers to that question. But I, I have to say it's surprising how, how often I find myself with the feeling that uh, some of the spokespersons for Soto Zen practice don't seem to understand it very well. And I'm not naming any names, and I'm sure there there are probably people who would make the same accusation of me. So. That's just the way it is, I guess. But um, I sort of I feel as though it's part of my job, as as best I can, to make sure that uh, people do understand what Sota Zen is, and and come to appreciate it. 
I think I may have spoken before about, uh, well, one, one way to answer this question is to refer to the, the three pillars of our practice. And does anybody remember what, what those are? Say, say again, I didn't quite hear. Buddha, Dharma, and the Sangha. Well, that's pretty good, but that's not what I was thinking of. I mean, that's certainly integral to our understanding. But you could say that about almost any. Um, uh, you could say that about all lineages. So what's what's particular about Soto lineages? No self. Well, again... That's pretty, pretty widely accepted. If, if there are three pillars to Soto practice, uh, that's, that's one way of framing things. And years and years ago, uh, the, uh, the, board members of the SCBA, the Soto Zen Buddhist Association, which is a clergy group I belong to, asked me to write a little, little essay on on this point, which I did. And for quite a while, it was available on the website, but it seems to have disappeared. So I, I have been edited out of existence. I was going to see if in response to the person who wrote this broadside, what is Soto Zen? You poor people don't understand. And the author is someone who I might, in a bad mood, name as someone who I don't think understands Soto Zen very well. Um, but anyway, in response, I thought, well, Maybe you can put that essay back up there, and that's that could be a, a kind of reference point, and, or a uh, this, the, a place to uh, begin discussion if people feel like they don't understand. Um, so, uh, to to refresh um, maybe the memories of, of people who heard me speak of the, these three pillars before, they are. Well, anybody want to guess, just for fun? <laughs> Soto Zen now, not just Buddhism, but... Um, what a, Zazen, koan study, and something else. Okay. Um, I wouldn't put koan study in there myself. That's That could be a little misleading. But Zazen, that's a good one, except I would sharpen that a little bit and call it shikantaza or just sitting which is the particular specialty of the house the treasure of the house and this is something you all practice I'm sure with great delight and um would would anybody like to characterize 
shikantaza or just sitting? Oh, you got to pass the microphone around. Okay. We we do we do. Okay. Otherwise, uh, I would speak in silence. Um, <laughs> I I would say shikantaza is. Uh, uh, Objectless meditation. Okay. Well, is it a problem if there should be objects arising? I think objects always arise. But all? But um, when I say objectless meditation, um, what I mean by that is we sit without uh, just just sitting, meaning no, uh, not attaching to any objects. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. Non-attachment or non-attaching to objects is is okay. Um, Sarah has told me to say non-thinking. Um, maybe, but. We, we'd have to be careful and and bring in Dogen's teaching so that people don't get confused and think that we're saying you can't think, you can't have thoughts, because that's not what we're saying. So, like as Dogen says, right? There's there's thinking. There's not thinking, and there's unthinking. So, shikantaza in particular is unthinking. So, we're neither um, engaging in thought process, we're not trying to kill thought process, we are sitting in the midst of the complete phenomenal expression of just this person, moment by moment. And um, uh, as we embody that wholeheartedly, we can call that non-thinking or unthinking. And that's basically the heart of Shikantaza. This is a a whole phenomenal universe here. And uh, to sit as that expresses in arising and passing away without attachment or rejection. That something like that is just sitting. So you could call that one pillar of Soto Zen. And how about the next one? I have a thought. Yes. Oh, a thought. Okay. 
yeah, I have no idea if it's the right thought, but it's mm-hmm. a thought which is when we talk about sitting, it brings me right into the zendo. So the, maybe the other two pillars would be chanting and bowing. Well, I would say those are familiar and beloved activities, but I wouldn't necessarily point to them as the pillars. So one might say that the second pillar, or although it doesn't actually matter how we number them, but tonight I would name the second pillar Genjo Koan. And I think some of you have heard that expression. It's often, it's uh, not so easy to translate. Uh, I'm not a a Chinese or Japanese speaker, although I have some appreciation of those languages, but uh, I see the written language mostly as art because I can't read it per se. So there's beautiful characters, Ginjo Koan, and is often translated as actualizing the fundamental point. So this refers to a an orientation to our life and the lives of others, where the fundamental point is always before us, always where our life is arising right now. Though it's not ahead of us somewhere, it's not some treasured past event, it's only and always here where we are. And it is actualized in, among other things, uh, bowing and chanting, as was mentioned, uh, drinking tea, uh, using the bathroom, Uh, greeting people, laughing and weeping, and so on, and so on. And to live in such a way that we are acknowledging the fundamental point as the very heart of life is the sense of Genjo Koan. So that and Shikantaza are just sitting. These are very particular treasures of the house or a way of speaking of the treasures of the house. And the third one is, you know, these three are are, are uh, interlocked, okay? You can't really separate the one from the other. So the third one is kind of like a uh, uh, it's like 
another way of looking at the activity, the dynamic quality of those first two pillars. And the third one is also, or is, or can be expressed in a, a Japanese phrase, and that is, memitsu no kafu, uh, which is a peculiar kind of a, an expression. Uh, memitsu is two characters which uh, are something like. Um, Men is something like the the beautiful tight weave of like a fabric, right? And mitsu is like means something like intimate. Right? So these two characters together uh, have this quality of quiet intimacy of something every day. And no kafu means the breeze or the wind of that. That breeze that comes from this this uh, remarkable intimacy of daily life, that is the wind of the house. And that's what that third expression means, nenmitsu no kafu. So we have just sitting. We have actualizing the fundamental point. And we have the remarkable intimate breeze of the house where the features of everyday life are cared for with loving attention. Which stems from the life of just sitting and actualizing the fundamental point. That's where that breeze comes from. So I would say, I would just offer those as three pillars of Soto Zen practice. And a reasonable orientation for understanding Soto Zen without bringing in too many confusing other elements. Um, uh, 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 certain colleagues um, uh, tried to uh, start a campaign of sorts. It wasn't really a campaign, but it kind of was. Um, of um, that that uh, was based on insisting that uh, Dogen had used Zen stories the way they are used in the Rinzai lineage. Uh, 
And this went on for a while. And I think I was the one who pointed out that the chair, chairperson of Buddhist studies department at UC Berkeley said quite clearly, no, he did not. There is not a shred of evidence that he did anything of the kind. And so that shut them up for a while. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of funny. But it was very strange that someone had that idea. It's like, well, didn't Dugan use teaching stories? Well, of course he did. How could he not utilize this magnificent collection of wisdom tales from the Chan and Zen tradition? Of course he used them. But not for so-called Huato practice. No, he did not do that. So again, this is something a little bit distinct about Soto practice. The peculiar treasures of the house. And now the other thing I wanted to bring up this evening before I I plead old age, migraine, and infirmity and leave you all in the lurch um, uh, is I want to recommend enthusiastically uh, a, it's either a, it's both a podcast and a, um, a YouTube channel. Okay. And it's called Waking Cosmos. And I really want to encourage people to listen to some of those remarkable, quite remarkable, their, their interviews. And the interviewer is very, he's quite skilled. He's, uh, uh, actually, I never quite got his name, but anyway, he's, uh, not only is he an interviewer, he's also written, uh, one or more books of his own. And he, he, uh, basically specializes in, in interviewing Western scientists, these really you know, these remarkable people, just giants of scientific thinking, of mathematics, physics, and so on, but who have found themselves kind of out in left field vis-a-vis standard scientific thinking in the West. And these include a number of um, uh, scientists who started out committed materialists and whose whose uh, investigations and experimentations have forced them to surrender that point of view. So they are no longer materialists because they can't be. And this includes some people who have been doing so-called psi experiments, which, uh, you know, that was a kind of a big thing in the like 1960s uh, and people were doing psi experiments and and uh, I don't know what happened but they kind of got dismissed for a while 
and uh, uh, then um, uh, in the 1970s, I think it was, uh, a couple of people, and I mentioned this at my talk last Saturday too, so I don't want to go into great detail here, but a couple of people set up what came to be called the Engineering Anomalies Research Laboratory at Princeton University. And they undertook uh, some experiments which uh, were uh, summarized and collected in a remarkable book called Margins of Reality. Now, unless it's been reprinted, it's probably long out of print. But in the, in the uh, early 80s, 1980s, I was going to use it for the research portion of a thesis I was working on. And two, two of the main people involved were Robert John, who was, I think, a doctor of maybe engineering, and a woman named Brenda Dunn, who was the the guiding spirit of, of the laboratory setting up these elaborate experiments. And the, the book contained uh, a, a uh, synopsis of several experiments that they have, uh, they were conducting at the time, whose results could not be explained by current science. And they're actually, they're quite, quite remarkable. Um, uh, they included a, uh, a, a large device, which consisted of um, a, uh, it's like a wooden framework with, with maybe, I don't know how many, six, eight or 10 or a dozen, um, uh, wooden uh, channels and kind of a, a glass front. And basically it was a kind of a, um, a, a uh, they called it the, the random mechanical cascade. And it basically consisted of ping pong balls falling down this chute and into one or another of these, these various bins. And the experiment consisted of having the operator sit in front of the, the device and try to influence the bins into which the ping pong balls would fall. And this experiment was repeated uh, many, many times. And over a large number of trials, an operator effect was discovered to be inarguably present. And there was no explanation based on the canons of, of science as they were then understood. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, basically uh, those results were not taken seriously. And I think the, eventually that laboratory was closed down. And I think uh, Professor John retired. Uh, 
But when I started listening to this uh, podcast, Waking Cosmos, I was thrilled to discover that people had since then taken up a lot of these sorts of experiments and were replicating them. And we're once again getting completely anomalous, inexplicable results, which are basically demonstrating that um, reality as we naively assume it is, is not that way. It's something quite different going on. And one, um, one of the uh, interviewees in this podcast was uh, uh, Donald Hoffman, who's, among other things, a heavy-duty mathematician. And he's come up with the fascinating theory that actually uh, when, we're, when we're explaining reality, we need to start from consciousness, not start from things, and try to figure out where consciousness fits in there, we need to start with consciousness. And he says, his understanding now is that what we call the world, that's just an interface, like the interface on our computer. It's a way of organizing what would otherwise be, as uh, William James call it, a blooming, buzzing confusion. So the way the world looks and seems to act is an interface for our consciousness, which is fundamental. So he has some elaborate mathematical theory uh, of what he calls conscious agents. And he has a, 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 um, a rig, he calls it a, he called it a rigorous mathematical formula for describing conscious agents, which I won't even attempt to go into because it's way over my head. But this is just, there are, there are numbers of people who are doing this kind of experimentation and this way of examining the world. And as I listen to these interviews, I, over and over again, I'm reminded of our Buddhist practice, which is another way of looking deeply at reality and seeing what is actually there. So this, this, uh, uh, the, the title of this uh, podcast, Waking Cosmos, is, um, refers to some other theorists who are of the opinion that the cosmos is actually waking up through us and may continue until the entire universe is awake. Goodness knows how long that will be or what that will look like. But this is, these serious scientific theorists think that that's what's happening. And I didn't get any of this when I was taking science classes. So I think it's quite remarkable that, that, uh, that, serious, rigorous, demanding scientific research is moving in these directions. And it makes it, it feels like that's the territory also of our Buddhist practice, our way of examining reality, you know, as we sit in, in silence and stillness, actualizing the fundamental point 
not falling into thinking, not falling into not thinking or stopping thinking, allowing thought after thought after thought to arise and pass away as non-thinking or unthinking. This is our form of experimentation and our study of reality. So I would just say, if you want some great encouragement in your practice, listen to some of these interviews, and I think you'll be blown away as I was. Thank you so much, Mio. I think, yeah, blown away is probably the operative word. Uh, it is for me. Yeah. Are, do you feel like you could take a few questions if anyone uh, would sure. like to? Um, yes. Uh, I just wanted I to say, I, uh, um, I was thinking of, you know, I was thinking about bringing up one of our Zen stories, but at this point, I think it would be too much. And may, may, maybe next time. Um. This one is particularly complicated, and I sort of feel like, no, I think we're we're moving into a more generally luminous frame of mind, and let's not go back to that gnarlier stuff right now. So I would be happy to take questions if there are any. Though, well, though we, are, uh, we are we are few, we are we are dedicated. Well, thank you, Mio, for that talk. I, I just have a, a confession and a comment. Um, I don't have really anything to add. My, my confession is I, I'm, I'm still a, a attached to um, what, what did you? How did you describe it? Materi, material, scientific materialism. Oh, uh huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't let go of that yet. Um, well, if you listen to some of these interviews, I don't know how you're going to keep at it. Uh, well, I I, uh, I will do that. Okay. Um, you, you, you've piqued my uh, curiosity. Um, and the second thing is, did you get a new headset recently? I did. It is fantastic. Let oh, me good. tell you, the I, quality of sound is markedly improved. Um, so uh, thank everybody who listens can th- yeah. It has lights on the ears, phone yeah. things. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I just was hearing the sound. There used to be a crackliness in the line that you Apparently, would broadcast. Yes, I'm yeah. very sorry about that. So I was urged okay. to get new equipment, and I did. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. We have a question from uh, Dell in Zoom. Yes, please. Actually, it's just a couple of comments. I wanted to say that the Margins of Reality, the book you mentioned, is available used online. Oh, oh goody. Okay. Good. <laughs> just, it's, just... it's a fascinating read. It's not too technical. If you want to get into like the like the footnotes and stuff, you can do that. But the, just telling the story is totally fascinating. Yeah, it's a, it sounded like it was interesting. And then also, um, there are a lot of scientists out there who are um, practicing Buddhists who are yes. working on these kinds of things. Um, I mean, it's really fascinating. Yes. So thank one, you for bringing it up. Uh, one more more than one of the interviewers has said, "Oh, by the way, I practice you know Zen meditation or 
vipassana or something more, more than one so this is interesting too yeah thank you thank you very much for your talk thank you mio uh for the talk i found it very interesting the uh a little while back not long ago i read daniel bone's uh implicate order yes uh, I, I had i had heard that it was very accessible for laymen uh-huh. uh it's it must be a much more qualified layman than myself yeah, yeah well uh, yeah but i i did think it was pretty interesting uh the concept when when it did get boiled down to yeah a, yeah uh something that i could know but i i, I had really had another question that's kind of been on my mind since another dharma talk we heard oh maybe a month or so ago mm-hmm. would you say shakantasa is something we do something we experience something uh, uh, that happens to us shikantaza is that what you said yeah um yeah well you can see it as something that we do um you could say well yeah kind of it's sort of it's done by us uh you could also just say well it it is it is us it is who we are when we're sitting in stillness, we give it that name. Just, just sitting is who, what, how we are when we sit in stillness without attachment or rejection, basically. Without approach or avoidance. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Linda, please ask her a question. I don't know if it'll help. <laughs> I, um, I'm so unattached that um, I completely lost. <laughs> your explanation for the third foundation mm-hmm. and and um i'm wondering i've got the this idea of this breeze <laughs> this yes that's uh, right in the house which is soda zen yes uh-huh okay and, and what what does and then you went into talking about the use of koans the, you know kind of so Okay. So maybe I just need maybe yeah. to know what this um, phrase is. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, uh, again, the um, the breeze, the quality of the the wind that blows through the house, is expressed by these two characters, men mitsu. Okay. And then is. Uh, tightly woven fabric right the 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 quality of beautifully woven fabric the warp and the weft right and mitsu means intimate so it's like that's that's what i lost the intimacy of perfectly woven fabric is a quality of our life when we uh turn uh loving, careful, generous attention to the details of our life. And you feel this is, 
unique to Soto Zen practice? I would say it's particular to Soto Zen particular practice. To. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that. I, I don't think I've ever heard it, you know, talk about that way. Uh, that is an aspect uh, you know, if you look at uh, Japanese culture, you, you see various ways and places in, that uh, Buddhist um, aesthetics have penetrated the culture and affected it. And this is one one way. This Memitsu no Kafu, uh, you see that cropping up uh, in many of the uh, traditional Japanese arts, for instance. Right. Especially in tea ceremony. Right. Okay, and um, regarding regarding your what you brought up about the, this uh, awakening con- consciousness yes. or cosmos, um, every day if if um, on my computer gives suggests articles to me mm-hmm. whenever I turn it on, every day there's something about things like this. Oh, great! So obviously. Either they're following my logarithm or, yeah. or it's the zeitgeist or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, how they were always working for the, um, what was the, they called the particle, the Briggs Housem, something like that. Uh-huh. They were the, the, this is chemo brain. Okay. I can't remember. Oh, sure. Anything, but, um, the the circulating thing in Europe that is oh, at, testing at, molecules at CERN. Okay, at CERN. So the yeah. Higgs Higgs the Higgs boson. Yes, Higgs, Higgs boson. Uh huh. So they were looking for that, and they claim they found it, and they yes. claim that that in a way at first they were claiming, oh, now we have something we can actually measure. There's actually something there. Mm-hmm. So I, I read another article the other day. Because I said, no, there's nothing there. I still, I know from my practice, there's nothing there. Uh-huh. You know, being very arrogant. And um, I was reading an article the other day, and they talked about how, again, how there's something there. But then they re- started using the word field. Well, yeah. field is something different that, to me than, yes, than a particle. being there. Yeah. So they're saying right in the article the Higgs boson is a field. Is a field, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. I'm going, okay, so yeah, again, you're saying there's nothing there. <laughs> there's right. a field. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, again, I, this is, this is beyond my understanding, but, but I, I, I think I have heard that practically all of the locatable, oh, that's not really quite the right word, phenomena in quantum mechanics are all based on fields. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way you could say, well, yeah, that's not really, that's not really a thing that like sits somewhere so you can look at it or poke it or do something with it. Right. And then there's other people working on this um, belief and they think they've proven it, I guess, that the same thing can be in two places at the same, two different places at the same time. Yes, uh, all that uh, <laughs> quantum coherence and stuff. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's pretty mysterious to me. Yeah, and and the 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 real justification is mathematical, which I can't follow. I can't. So I just take their word for it. You know. <laughs> me too. Yeah. 
there's nothing in it that uh, just dis- dis- that dissuades us from our practice. That's for sure. That's for sure. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Mio. Um, um, <laughs> thank you for leaving me floundering. Um, I, I feel that your uh, explication of the three um, hallmarks of Zen cuts very close to the bone. Um, and I, and, um, and so, uh, you know, I could ask you just say more, <laughs> explain, but I, I I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um, Thank you. Tonight. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> tonight. Okay. Um. But um, but I appreciate it very much. And and also, you know, it's so evocative. Uh, sometimes regarding the last. Could could you say the Japanese term for the what you counted as the third yeah. um, uh, hallmark? Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you write it out in Japanese, you actually have four characters. There's character men or men. That's the one that means tightly woven fabric. Mm-hmm. There's a character mitsu, which means intimate. M-I-Z-U? Uh, uh, M-I-T-S-U, usually is how it's romanized. So men, mitsu, put those together. Right. And then yeah. no, no, N-O, which means of. Mm-hmm. And then kafu, which I guess that's two characters, which is a breeze or a wind. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's very evocative. Um, and thank you for mentioning um, the um, the podcast you're following. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite remarkable. Uh, I think uh, you know. I'm I'm just I just have a slight inkling of some of the stuff that's being brought into the um, public arena from mm-hmm. quantum mechanics. Uh, you know, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, it's remarkable. Uh, a number of us here in the Zendo and on Zoom um, recently spent some time investigating uh, Dogen's fascicle Uji. Oh yes. And uh, uh, as suggested by Dell, I think um, uh, I and I think others looked at uh, some of the stuff by Carlo Rivelli, mm. if I if I recall the name correctly. And it was just remarkable. His explication of time yes. seemed, seemed, as far as I could tell, with my limited understanding uh-huh. of Dogen, uh, just the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this concept, as I understand it, of um, of reality being uh, just the relationship between things, just the field, nothing existing really by itself. Mm-hmm. No experiment or experimenter, uh, you know, just the field between them mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, and and I wonder if perhaps in a, another decade or century when these concepts filter into the 
you know, ordinary consciousness of, of most people, the way uh, the science of the Renaissance is now, mm-hmm. you know, part of our common understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, or of the eight, 19th century, whether that will change, uh, whether perhaps that will change. It, it will change the world. Yes. Oh, I think that's certain. I mean, I won't be around to see it, but uh, at least not in this this arrangement. But uh, it will certainly change the world. And some of these inter- interviewees are saying, well, that's actually happening. I mean, it's happening slowly, but it's happening. And once it has begun, there's no stopping it, apart from maybe, you know, a global catastrophe, which we hope won't happen. Or, or perhaps, uh, and forgive my um, my uh, doubts, but mm. not that I know, but, but we're asking, we're hoping for a change, not just in the way people think, but about the way they feel at a deep intuitive, and I would say... Absolutely. Uh, uh, intrinsic level. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, so uh, I hope that it be, may it be. Yeah. Anyway, thank you again, you mm-hmm. so much. Of course. Uh, well, th- thank you all for listening patiently. And, um, I, you know, I hope you know, I'll, I'll derive some encouragement from uh, this way of being together. And I think if you check out some of these podcasts and YouTube videos, you will find considerable encouragement there too. It's pretty remarkable what's happening. So... Thank you again, Neo. Uh, Before we do our end of lecture chant, I just would like to remind everybody uh, that if you would like to give uh, Donna to our teacher tonight, you can do so at Hartford Street Zen Center. Is that correct, Neo? Um, uh, Yeah, if... um, Well, it kind of depends. uh, 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 Donation to, to my temple is welcome. And, and then and so if you if you send it to Harvard Street Zen Center, that goes to the temple. And if you send it to me, like my email address, then it goes to me. And either is uh, fine and greatly appreciated. And your email again, is it's Venmo? Is it at Venmo? Um, uh, it's, uh, pardon me, I got cramps in my feet here. Uh, it's oh. uh, R-E-V as in Victor, M-Y-O, so Revmio. at yahoo.com. That's my email address. Okay. Thank thank you so much. We also have here in the Zendo uh, a a basket for the teachers, Donna, and also a basket for uh, our uh, Valley Streams to support our uh, air conditioning, which is keeping us very comfortable in here tonight. (laughs) Thank you again for just an amazing uh, amazing talk, Reverend Mio, on so many different levels. Um, We are so appreciative 